0: Uh, we're looking forward to uh, this series. Uh, we've been—if you haven't been with us—the past four weeks we've been doing a series called "Love Does." We ripped the title off of a, a cool Bob Goff book that came out a few years ago. Uh, we're not really going with that. God really just told me to go right to First Corinthians chapter thirteen. T- it's the love chapter, um, and just teach, by, teach it verse by verse. And we've just been do- looking at one verse a week, and and uh, and today we're actually going to expand a little more. We're just going to finish out the chapter, uh, and, and that love never fails, and just the eternal nature of of love. Uh, And and I want you to be here next week. in fact, we've got some things uh, we don't do a ton when it comes to marketing. Uh, we just don't we don't spend a ton of money on that stuff. We we divert it to other things. What we really rely on is you spamming um, your friends on Facebook, stuff like that. And then um, we try to just uh, arm you every once in a while with some good cards or something that you can just kind of sh- spread the word and let people know that there's a good house here for them to grow in faith and family. And so grab some of these as you leave today. They just say welcome home on them. Come sit with me. Uh, we want to you uh, to invite some friends. And and family. So next week's an incredible week to invite people. We're going to start a series called Watch Your Mouth. So um, that's going to be a fun one that really, that the power of life and death is in our tongue, and that there's so much power in the words that we say. And so I'm looking forward to to starting that next week, and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do in the coming weeks. Uh, But let's finish up this series today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in just a moment. I don't know about you, but have you ever bought anything and thought to yourself, this will be the last time I buy fill in the blank. So, like, this will be the last house we ever live in. I don't ever want to move again, right? i am never moving to another apartment. It's so much work. Or you ever buy a car and be like, oh, I'll have this car forever. Um, or a cell phone. You're like, man, this cell phone has everything. It's going to be the best forever. I'll never need anything else. You ever do that? And then, like, a year later, you feel like the house is haunted and the car keeps breaking down. You've dropped the cell phone in the toilet a couple times. Um, You you feel like you'll have things forever, and and they don't last forever. Maybe it's a a relationship or a job that you just were sure you would be here for the next 30 years or for the rest of your life, and then comes to find out that didn't last either. Or maybe a skill that you were really good at. You're just like, man, I'm just going to keep getting better until I'm just like the best in the world about this, and then your interest kind of waned on that, or your skills kind of went down on that. Things don't last forever, and it's a little bit depressing when we think about, um, despite what the car commercials and the cell phone commercials that, you know, sell us that this car is built to last, they they don't. They break down. And oftentimes, it's kind of a a tough thought to think about everything that we've built on, the things that we invest in. So many times, the things that we just, we stress about and we're, we're so involved in, they're just, they're just temporary, and what Paul tells us here at the very end of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is that everything's going to fade away, but three things are going to remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And so I want to read the text here this morning, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, and just to catch you up, again, we, we've just been running with real th- simple three themes here. One, that, that love is not an option, and it's, it's indispensable. That you can have faith to move mountains, you can have the gift of prophecy, you can have just the, the gift of wisdom, you can have all these great things, but if you don't have love, you've got nothing. Second theme is that love is received before it's given. You can't give what you don't have. And then lastly, that love is a thoughtful action. It's not just a feeling, but it's a thoughtful action that I make a commitment to walk in love. That's biblical love. So let's dive into the text. We're going to pick up uh, again, pick up halfway through verse 7. We'll just read all of verse 7. We did the first two, always protects, always trusts, last week. So uh, love, again, when we're talking about love, we're talking about agape, God's, God's uh, eternal, um, unconditional love. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecy um, prophecies, they will cease, and for where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. Now these three remain faith hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. I want to give you three three uh, just keys, simple keys, um, about walking out this eternal love in our life. Just leave that text up there for just a second before we get into the keys. Uh, a couple things that I want to draw back to our attention in regards to the context. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he begins chapter 12 um, talking about spiritual gifts that each of us that the Holy Spirit enables us to, to um, use gifts that are beneficial to the body of Christ. That the things that God does in your life, the things he enables you to do and gifts you to do, are not for your own glory, but for the glory of God and the building up of the body of Christ. And apparently, the church at Corinth here is kind of falling in love with their stuff and what they can bring to the table, and they're, they're kind of exalting that above love. And, and that's why Paul is like slamming on the brakes. So the context of everything he's talking about is our inner relations with the church. Oftentimes we love to take the love chapter and put it to our, all of our other relationships. And we fail to realize that really the context is in our relationship with one another. That we are to be patient with one another. To be kind with one another in this context. And it gets down to this part and it says always hopes, always hopes perseveres. The type of hope that he's talking about is not uh, an Eeyore type of hope. Like, I hope it doesn't rain today, so we can go to the beach. I hope it doesn't rain. That's Eeyore, right? Uh, Or a very bad impression of Eeyore. But a lot of of Christians have like that Eeyore type of hope, and and, and Christian hope, and the, the hope that we have in Jesus is so much richer. It's a positive expectation about the outcome, and it's built on faith. And these three things at the end, faith, hope, and love, they build on one another. You can't have hope without faith, and you can't have love without understanding the hope that we have. And so I want to give you three quick keys today, and we'll walk through this uh, pretty quickly, I think. Uh, I always say that, and sometimes it's a super long message, but I'll try to keep it quick. today. Three keys for for just growing in God's love. And and the first thing is to live for eternity. It's a little bit depressing to think about all these things that we've built our life on uh, and that we invest in and the things that we stress over are all going to fade away, but these three things will remain, this eternality of of love. But it's important that we live for eternity. Most of us, we're kind of bogged down. I, I think when we say yes to Jesus, say yes, well, most of the time what we say yes to is this idea of eternity, this idea of heaven or this threat of hell that we would be separated from God. And so we say yes to that but we struggle to live for eternity on a daily basis. We're bogged down by the stress of life. Any? Can someone just be honest with me? Anybody been stressed this week? Anybody, like, just want to be honest? Okay, yeah, yeah, we we all live there, and we all have to manage that. Um, and, and I want to, to talk more and kind of build on that idea of the stresses of this life, because I, I think it's very important as we learn to live for eternity and walk in God's love, because when we get our eyes fixed uh, away from the temporary things and, and the, the, the hope of our, of our faith uh, that's birthed out of that and our eyes fixed on Jesus, um, I, I find myself so much more able to operate in love. I, I mean, I think about it like this. When I, I played... Um, Quarterback. When I was in high school, I know people usually think I was the kicker, but I did play quarterback. I wasn't that good, but I did. I could throw the ball fifteen yards. That was about it. Um, most of the time, I just ran for my life because you know uh, we weren't that good. Um, but anyway, I played quarterback, and one of the big things that I always had trouble with um, is you're not supposed to like focus on the rush. And so we were we were like a, a, a mobile quarterback situation. We always had like rollouts. Um, which was good because I couldn't see over the line. I, I was like five foot tall and everybody was six four, all the all the guys there. And so I had to roll out. And one of the things that you'll hear talk about in this football season is, man, you look for a quarterback who doesn't keep his eyes on the rush, but who's looking downfield. And, and I think this is true for us as believers. So many times we're focused on the rush. We're focused on the stress of the day. We're focused on the temporary and we're not keeping our eyes fixed downfield if you will if you will uh, it, it's so important for us our eyes to be fixed on Jesus and fixed on eternity cuz our decisions cuz that's going to be the only thing that's going to last the thing if we get so focused on the temporary that's not going to be there things you stressed about a year ago you're not stressing about anymore Most likely, you're stressing about something new. And like each year that passes by, each season that passes by, you'll find another thing to stress about, another thing that needs to be fixed, another thing that needs to be worked on. And so we have to fix our eyes on eternity. And so I ask you, like, what foundations are you building your life upon? They they brought this to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? They were trying to trick him, but Jesus is way too smart to be tricked. And he says... It's this, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. And the second is a lot like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said everything, all the prophets, all the law, all the Old Testament hangs on this, loving God and loving people. What's the active verb in the two things that Jesus said are most important? Love, the activity of, of love. Um, he goes on to say in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a very common phrase that many of us have, have heard, um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. How many of you guys heard this verse before? You've heard this? Yeah. Um, we often, again, miss the context of what he's saying when we find like a really popular verse and it gets used a lot. The context of what he's talking about is worry. Daily worry, worry and stress. He's talking about that. And, and, and we get bogged down by the temporary things. And Jesus, at the, right in the middle, Matthew chapter 6 here, in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, is saying... You don't have to worry what you need to do, but you need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. and Everything else is going to take care of itself. And that's a very difficult thing for, for us to, to comprehend. Um, but that's really what it builds on. That's trust. That is faith. And God has planted that faith in us. And so it's a matter of fixing our eyes and, and being relentless and keeping our eyes on Jesus and not being distracted. If the enemy can't destroy you, he'll just distract you. And some of us, we're not being destroyed yet, but we're distracted and we're missing out on the joy and the hope of daily life. And, and we're, not, we're missing the two greatest things of loving God and loving people. I think if we were all honest with ourselves, like there's some steps we could take, some honest steps in loving God and loving people. And so I just want to tell you, lift up your eyes. I, I love this one verse in the in the Psalms, that's uh, the, of David, and David went through some ups and downs. I don't know if you know much about his story, but one time, like he actually had a guy like trying to kill him. The guy he was working for Saul, he was playing he was playing guitar. He was a musician for him, uh, and he just calmed Saul down because he probably had like um, bipolar disorder or something. Because he was like fine one second, and then he was like flipping out the next second. So one time, he, he, he's, like, shooting arrows and, like, throwing, like, arrows at David while he's playing guitar. Like, guys, try to pull that off. What if you had somebody, like, throwing arrows while you're playing guitar? And, and so he, he goes on the run, and, like, he goes into this deep depression. And in this time, like, when he's running for his life, he writes this psalm. He said, but you, O oh Lord, you're a shield for me, and you're the lifter of my head. It, it, it's ta- he, David is like expressing this type of intimacy with God in which he would lift our head. If you think about someone in your life in which maybe you've been ashamed of something going on in your life or you're going through a really tough season, but you have that one person. Maybe they're uh, a significant other, a spouse or a mom or dad, and they would just gently and lovingly do whatever they could to lift your head. And that's that kind of picture we see here. So this text is so powerful for us, powerful for us. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be added. You see, when we align our lives with godly priorities, everything else falls into place. When we set in our lives godly priorities, everything else just falls into place. So if we're wondering about the foundations that we need to build on of love, like let's go to the scriptures and let's build our life on the foundations of loving God and loving people. Every decision we're making is running through that filter. And just keep it simple. Some of us are are facing some complex problems and emotions and relationships and decisions, and we're not sure how to sort through everything in life. But just because the problem is complex does not mean the solution is complex. Sometimes it's very simple. L- learn to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, walking those things out. Keep our eyes fixed on eternity, not on the rush and on the stress. The second thing um, that I, I really want to share today is to to stay connected. Stay connected. Um, I, I, I love, um, I, I, let me just be real honest. I, I've been in ministry for a long time. And for a long time, I, I would do ministry... Um, out of a very shallow well, um, I would do it out of a very shallow bucket. Um, I would do it off of things that God did a long time ago. I, I, I would I would give people what Mom and Dad gave me as a kid. I I would my my shallow well, my shallow bucket that I offered love and I gave from and I lived in, in God's love would would only be from that which people treated me so if you treated me well then I responded back if you were patient with me I'm like well I better be patient with him because last week he had to wait on me for 15 minutes to get there so I would only go out of that well so what I'm saying here by staying connected is three keys to growing love it is what John talks about in John chapter 15 he refers to Jesus many times that's known as the vine and the branches that Christ is the vine and we're the branches and God the Father is the gardener and then he prunes the ones that he loves. And let's flip to verse 4 and 5 in John chapter 15 and and see how this hits home with us. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing my kids, my parents texted me this morning and told me that while she was upstairs, I think getting ready or something, our kids were downstairs vacuuming the house. A Red Sea miracle. And without being prompted this morning, they made our bed. Like mind blown, like mind exploding. I don't know where that comes from. I, I once did a message about the vacuum cleaner. It made me think about it. That vacuum cleaner only works, it only does its job of sucking junk up is when it's plugged into the source of electricity and of power. And so many of us walk in our life and and we wonder like why we don't have anything to give, why we don't feel useful, why we we lack purpose, is because we're not connected to the source. And many times we just kind of go, kind of like I did, off of what we had in the past, right? There's no, there's no reservoir energy or power or love inside that vacuum cleaner, and there's not with us. That runs out very quickly. You ever get to the end of the day and I'm just out of patience? You ever in a season where you're just very short Or very, you know, not forgiving to other people. We only have so much to give. And so remaining in God, our ability to, to love others and our ability to love God comes from our ability to understand how he has loved us. And tapping in and staying connected to the vine. It's not out of our own well, I always, and I think it's a matter of just staying connected in communion with God and in relationship with God, and not trying to come from our own uh, well, if you will. So we've got to, got to stay connected, got to stay connected. I, I think um, I, I struggled with this for so many years as I just kind of did, and I, and I wanted to do for God, and I didn't understand the importance of being for God. But you see, being with God inspires the doing for God. Being with God inspires the doing for God. I was talking to our serve team this morning um, as they were here, and I was t- I was sharing something similar to this, and, and just saying that many times we we doing for God, like in, and whether it's witnessing with others or serving at the church or you know even praying and worship, all those things. At some point, if we're we're not inspired and and we're not just understand the importance of just being with God, then that just becomes work. Our relationship with God gets really stale, and it, it morphs into something that it's never meant to be. And so I just want to challenge you to remain in Him. That the only way that you're going to bear the fruit of love, and what Paul says in Galatians 5, is that the fruits of the Spirit are love. And he goes on from there, but the, the fruits of the Spirit, it begins with love. Everything kind of starts, right, with love. It starts with love. And we've got to stay connected to our our source. The quality and quantity of love uh, is of our love is determined by the source from which we receive it. If if you're receiving love only from how much people are loving you, you will not get very far in love. Right? Maybe maybe you're having some marriage problems. And uh, you're not being patient with each other anymore, or you're not forgiving one another. If, let me just take Taryn and I for uh, example. If, I'm, if she's not forgiving me, it, should my response to be, well, I'm not going to forgive her either. If, if she's keeping records of my wrongs, should my response be, well, she's not doing that either. It's, am I receiving only my love from her, my ability to love that is determined by the source from which I receive. If I'm just receiving it from her, then we're gonna be on this downward spiral. But if if my source is from the love of God and agape, unconditional love, then I'm able to offer that whether she has that or not because she's not my only source of that. She is a source of that. God uses her though. And we're a source for that in other people's life to speak encouragement, to speak life, to speak love, to, to bring patience and to show his grace and mercy in all facets. So the quality and the quantity of our love, uh, how well we can do that and how much we're able to do that is really determined on our ability to remain in God and to stay connected and walk with Him. And, and so I, I just want to, I, I was kind of saying it maybe a little bit uh, in our worship time to close that. But di- amen, amen. Um, and to di- dial it back in your life. Dial it back in your life and, and when's that one-on-one time with the Lord? When's, when, when are you really having time to be with God? If, if this is the only time that, that you come to be with God, um, regardless of how, how good of a message I preach or how well our, our, our team does of leading in worship and how well people connect and how well we fellowship or if someone says anything to you or not, regardless of any of that, if this is the only time that you have to be with God, You'll get really bitter about this because we need way more than than this experience. Uh, I, I feel like this experience gets to be so rich when when we're encountering God individually on a daily basis and we're when we're being with God, and not the only time that we come is to kind of do this church thing, but we're encountering and we're living as the body. I think the staying connected thing goes. Uh, to the body of Christ as well. Again, that's his whole context of this whole teaching is that we would be connected together and we've got far too many arms that are severed from the body. There's no blood flow that's going to die. Like if your foot doesn't get blood flow for some time, it's going to die. That's what happens Like when blood's not flowing through it. So being connected to the body is the visual that we see throughout the New Testament is so important for there to be life and to be vibrancy within our spirit is, uh, is our connectivity among one another as the body of Christ, with Christ the head, that we're a reflection of that love, and we, we practice that. Really, the church, the body of Christ, is the, is the practicing ground. It's the practice field for our love and, uh, and, and for the development of that. And I, I'd say our love for one another is really a, is, a, is a litmus test for our maturity in Christ. If we want to grow in in maturity in Christ, then we've got to to love one another. That's that's really the litmus test. It's the first and greatest commandment. It's what's without everything else. It's it's indispensable. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Everything else will cease. As we kind of go to to the last point um, of taking the next step, uh, right there in the text, he's talking about it. And he says, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Um, But when I became a man, I put um, my childish ways behind me. I put those childhood ways behind me. You might want to talk about anything. I'm just kidding. Anything childish you did or anything you're not proud of or something stupid you did. I've got so many of them. I can't even think of one right now because I'm thinking of so many, um, of so many stupid things. Actually, something broke in our house um, earlier this week, and Taryn's like, I don't know who did it, but I showed up, and the frame is broke. I remember this time when, when we did that with my mom, and it just kind of made me reflect on that, where mom was out, and we were playing baseball in the house um, Yep, with uh, like a, a broken-off pull stick. And some other ball, and we were playing baseball, right? And then um, the home plate was, like, right in front of the TV. So we did a double whammy this day. One guy was up, and he, like, it was a brand-new TV, too. It was, like, the old big tube TVs. And scratched the bottom of it. Didn't hit the glass, didn't break that, but scratched the whole bottom of it. And then I think the ball, like, later in the game, broke this, like, fancy lamp it was really terrible looking it was really ugly but it was like a fancy lamp my mom spent too much money on um and we broke the lamp and then like there was we were just like we had to lie and like we we tried to cover it up and try to glue it back together and it was just a mess Uh, it's one of those childhood childhood childish ways that we kind of put behind and so as we talk about love and growing in this love I I think it's just a matter of of not getting bogged down in, in all these details but just what is God asking me what's the next step What's the next step? I I got frustrated a lot early on in my walk uh, as a parent um, because I expected my one-year-old to act like a 10-year-old. Or when he was two, I wanted him to act like he was six. It was a real struggle for me. I I was constantly frustrated. I was constantly angry because I was trying to force a child to act like an adult. So there's a process of discipleship, of growing and maturing that we have as humans and as adults, but also as believers. And that process it, it, it requires patience. So some, maybe you're, you're new in your walk with Christ, and, and maybe you feel like pressure. Like you've got to jump from here to here. And like, that would be amazing if, if that happened. But most of the time, it's learning every day. And just what's the, what's the next step God's asking me to take? What's, what's the next thing that he's asking me to engage in? I'm always one of those. So I think it's keeping our eyes on eternity while also kind of living with the daily. What's my next step? What's my, what's my next step? Um, if, if we're going through with GPS, you know, we, we got to get our final destination in there from the beginning if you use your phone to navigate. And then you're not looking three steps down the road, most likely. You're not flipping over, hopefully not while you're driving. Um, you're not flipping over. What's, my, what's, what's the third turn I need to make from here? No. I need to know where I'm going, and I need to know my next turn. I need to know my next step. And so may, maybe you're um, in a transition as far as job, or if you're a student, you're a major, and you're thinking about kind of the weightiness of all the decisions of life, and you're thinking about three steps ahead. Lock into living for eternity, to staying connected in a da- on a daily basis with God, and then really taking the next step um, that's, that's all it requires. God, what's the next thing? What are you saying to me today? What do I need to be walking in today? is taking the, the next step. Uh, it's, a, it's a big part of maturity. I want to share just a few things when it comes to some childhood, childish ways that we need to put behind us. I think this is all, all general believers. I think we could go to a lot of things. We could go back in the text and be like, we need to be more patient with each other. I think he gives us a great list. We need to stop being jealous. We could go through all the things that he says earlier in this text but I just want to offer you a few different ones to add something different to the conversation. Um, and the, the first one is to quit making excuses, quit blaming others. This one's so common. It's so common. Uh, we do this. It, it's a childish way. Like, I, I deal with it with our kids all the time. I come in there, somebody's crying, and I'm like, who did it? I'm like, he did it, he did it, he did it. And we, do, we don't change from that as adults, Right? We get fired because of our behaviors or something that happened, and we blame them. No, it's because they're mean, it's because of this, it's because of that, it's because of that. We're not growing in our walk with the Lord, and we're like, well, the church needs to do this, and if the pastor put tucked his shirt in, and if he had a better sermon, you know, all this stuff. We blame other, and maybe that's true, maybe that's true. So, um, But we've, we just find ourselves, it, it has nothing to do with... with Anyone, anyone, but we all do it. We find ourselves blaming and distributing blame and making excuses. And I I used to find myself, and I was joking about the pastor thing, but I I joke about that because that's what I used to do all the time, is I, I was dependent because this is the only being with God time I got. If he didn't do it, then I wasn't going to take a step. Then I wasn't growing. Or if that particular message didn't ring home with me, then I was kind of upset with him. And I felt like, man, he's just not a good preacher. So I had to grow in that and and stop making excuses, stop blaming others. And and maybe you're doing that in in your life. Maybe that's a childish way we need to put behind us and and grow up in that. I think when we we lack spiritual discipline. We did, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, we did a whole kind of uh, small group study as a church on the spiritual disciplines, and it's not just the spiritual disciplines of activity, like prayer and worship and fellowship—all these things we're supposed to do—but it's also the spiritual disciplines of rest and the things you're not supposed to do: rest and solitude, the things of inactivity, of 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 rest and solitude, and uh, and, and service and and sacrifice. So many of these different things—it's it, both sides—they balance each other out. Not just doing for God, but being with God, and it brings life into it, Um, and some of us, our our next step is like, all right, how do I begin to instill just a real, how do I really begin to pray, and how do I really begin to open up with the Lord, and just get honest, and, and develop a prayer life, some of it's just taking the next step of, man, how do I really get in a good, healthy routine of studying the Bible, and reading the Bible, or, or developing Christian friendships that speak life and encourage me. How do I get in that? Maybe it's lacking spiritual discipline is one of the areas that we need to put the childish ways behind us. Maybe lastly, maybe it's just selfishness. Selfishness. I think when we're when we're fixed on the temporary stuff and not eternity, we're definitely kind of walking in selfish stuff because we're just trying to self care and self preservation in the moment. But when we fix our eyes on eternity, it really gets us doing what the first t- two greatest commandments are, loving God and loving other people, that's not a selfish life of living those out. That is a selfless life that Jesus calls us to. And, and that's what he's, he's bringing us into. That's when our maturity really begins to hit, when we're not so focused on ourselves, but we're really looking at, God, how can I honor you? God, how can I love you? How do, how do I respond to your great love for me, and how do I love the people that are around me? Um, I don't know what kind of relationship immediately comes to mind when it comes to love. Uh, maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's your kids or maybe it's a coworker, a boyfriend or girlfriend or friend. I don't know. Um, but I, I know like the context of what he is talking about through all of this is that this begins within the body of Christ, that we begin to practice these things within the body of Christ of being patient with one another and engaging and walking out this great love and growing in this. I believe that when we really get our eyes fixed on eternity, and, and we just become in communion with God, and walking in that relationship, taking the next step is just a lot easier. It's just a matter of just taking the next step. And so I just want to ask you to stand. Um, they're going to lead us in worship here in just a moment, but wanna I want to pray with you. And um, and ask you what what's that next step God's asking you to take, and so many times this is really the time in our service that we call the response time. And and I don't know if it's being patient with someone or keeping no record of wrongs, but what I love about this text that we read earlier is that love never fails. We may want to try a lot of things. We may want to give up on love. We tried that for a little bit and I'm just gonna go try and do something else myself. But this idea of, of love never fails, the Greek understanding of that is not just failing but it never falls off, it's eternal. It never becomes ineffectant or ineffective or inefficient. It always works, it's always gonna persevere, it's always gonna hope, it's gonna remain, everything else is gonna fade. Love will remain. And so I want to pray with you today uh, and I'll invite you to the table here in just a moment. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. It, it's, it's your word, God, and it's sharper than every two-edged sword and I, I feel it just cutting into to me today. I, I pray that it's cutting into our hearts, God, and you are pruning the ones that you love. You are speaking truth. You are speaking life into our lives, God. Help us to just, to put childish ways behind us, God, to take a step Take the next step that you're asking us to take. Help us to turn our eyes to you, fixed on eternity, walking in loving union with you, God. That's our desire. Help us to do that. In Christ's name.